coming to you from beautiful Santa Barbara, California. Promoting peace, healthy living, and happiness. It's the Peace Podcast with host Barbara Gon Mueller. Welcome. I'm Barbara Mueller, and I'm talking to Lori Marshall. It's a hard thing to stop doing because she is so inspirational. You're going to find that out today as you listen to peacepodcast.org. As you know, we created peacepodcast.org to bring a culture of peace to the world, a world that needs peace now more than ever. We were talking before the podcast about how my late husband, Robert Mueller, believed that peace was the only way we were going to survive as a planet and with all the humans and all that life between animals, nature, etc. The only way we're going to make it is to reserve ourselves, preserve ourselves, and preserve nature. So with that, I began to a little journey of reading the books that Arthur, author, Laurie Marshall wrote. And I began with her first, the book called Beating the Odds, 10 Steps for Teachers to Meet the Standards and Still Love What They Do. Let me read a little bit from the back. For 30 years, Lori Marshall has been on the forefront of bringing project-based learning and arts integration into the young people's minds in urban, rural, and suburban communities. These approaches deeply engage students so they may bring their gifts to make a better world. She is a founder of www.unitythoughtcreativity.net, a nonprofit dedicated to igniting imagination and connection to address community challenges using education and the programs that they present. You know, you're going to be surprised how one woman in her short life could have done so much. And I thought, well, let's just start with the beginnings because she did another book that I couldn't stop reading. And that one is about the singing trees, singing trees. Imagine a book called Singing Trees. So let's begin with your life, Laurie Marshall. And thank you for being here. And thank you for joining the Rotary Club of World Peace, because I never would have met you if you wouldn't have done that. You know, and, and she joined the Rotary Club of World Peace. And in fact, you're going to get, you can hear her twice. You can hear her on the Peace Podcast. And next week, she's going to be one of our speakers at the Rotary Club of WorldPeace.org if you ever want to go back and hear her twice. And you might want to do that. So let's start with a couple of questions, Miss Lori Marshall. Uh, well, you know, your personal path to becoming a peace activator, what was it that brought you into this activism for peace and education? Well, Barbara, first of all, I'm so happy to meet you and to, um, to be on the Peace Podcast and to be part of the momentum that is happening right now on our planet to uh, celebrate harmony and celebrate differences and celebrate the possibility that we can make a world that works for all living beings. And there's many stories in our culture that say you have to use force to get what you want. All the cartoons the kids watch. Force is the thing that that wins the day. And that doesn't work. And it won't work for our future. And I grew up in a household in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, that was 
made up of my father, Stanley Marshall, who grew up as a New York Jewish boy on the streets, and my mother, Alice Zindel, who grew up in central Pennsylvania as a Lutheran. And they met at Bucknell University and they fell in love and they got married and they looked around for a religion that made sense to both of them and it was the Quakers. So they became Quakers and in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Quaker meeting was very vital and active as I grew up in my youth and my adolescence. And when I was about 11, I had a dream that I was sitting between Khrushchev and John F. Kennedy negotiating a peace so that there would not be nuclear war. And Quakerism's main concept is that there is that of God in everyone. And that made total sense to me. And George Fox, the founder, said, walk cheerfully through the land and seek that of God in every man. And that has been how I've lived. And it has opened the door to such blessing to everyone that I meet. When I was 10 and 11, also, I loved drawing trees. Um, that's what I was paying attention to. And I tried to draw all the leaves of a tree. And I couldn't do it. I got overwhelmed. And I gave up drawing. And nobody told me that you could draw the big, simple shape of the tree. So I was paying attention to trees as a child. I had an incredible adolescent experience through the American Friends Service Committee in Pittsburgh, where we had a seminar program, a work camp program, and a monthly discussion program that was organized by the youth who chose the discussion topics and the seminar topics. And we had work camps with kids from all races, classes, religions in Pittsburgh. And we painted people's houses, and uh, I had experience of being the only white person in the room when I was 14, and there was a party, and I didn't know a soul, and these two eight-year-old kids showed me how to dance in a black neighborhood in Pittsburgh. And my family had people from all many countries come and have dinner with us, and we were kicked out of our first home in Pittsburgh because we had too many brown-skinned people in our uh, visit us. <clears throat> um, my parents worked very hard for civil rights in Pittsburgh. And my sister, um, I'm one of three sisters. I'm the youngest and my oldest sister went to Mississippi to help with voter registration. And I got to hear Martin Luther King speak when I was eight. And he said, people of all colors can love each other like sisters and brothers. So, I was been have been so fortunate to have such a caring, loving, and visionary family that I grew up in. And I, I'm an extreme extrovert. I love and am nourished by being with people. And I got married really young and had a very painful divorce by the time I was 23. Um, I realized I had very little information about my interior life, and I started to draw again. And all this information came out like, wow, I'm in a lot of pain <laughs> and, um, and I'm really sad. And it came out in my drawings in a way that was just not available to me. And I went on to get a master's degree in art and education. I called it community art, but there was no such uh, field at that time in 1980s. 
Um, there is now. And um, I went to uh, Beacon College, which is now the Union Institute, and designed a program where I got to just make art with elders for <clears throat> people with mental differences, with juvenile delinquents, with the Museum of Natural History in New York City. I just made art with people. And that's what I was put on the planet to do. Well, you have discovered that art is a tool for peace, for peace building. Just listening to you, I can tell that art opened up the channels into your interior, to your heart, into your soul, and to your reason for being born. And now what is art helping? How does art help in the peacemaking business? That's um, a really great question. When you make art, you take two things and something new comes out. You take scissors and paper, you take pencil and paper, you take it paint and canvas. When you have a misunderstanding, you have two points of view. And if you're going to do peace, peace building, there's something new has to emerge. A new understanding has to emerge. So the very process of art, of two different things meeting and creating something new is the same process as peace building. And when people come together and just talk, it's very hard to break down barriers. But when people come together and have a common experience, something new opens up. And I heard about an Israeli and Palestinian negotiation that hadn't gone anywhere for two years. And then somebody's truck broke down and they all went out and they fixed the truck. They came back and they could make progress. So the work that I do in peace building through art is making a collaborative mural together. And this collaborative mural, the goal of it is to envision the world the way we want it, to envision a solution to a challenge. And that envisioning process of having a shared vision of success is essential for trust. And I'm gonna cough because I have the flu, please excuse me. <coughs> <coughs> I love Judith Glasser's book, Conversational Intelligence, which is very kindred to your book title, Revolutionary Intelligence, and I can't wait to read that. And Judith Glasser talks of, uh, about trust, and she breaks it down. That the T in trust stands for transparency. The R stands for relationship. The U stands for understanding someone else's experience. The S stands for a shared vision of success, and the T stands for testing our assumptions. And I use that work in my collaborative mural um, projects to build trust and to understand that if we have a shared vision of success, that is something that we can always turn to. And many peace building programs are so, have such rich intellectual fabric but if you don't have a common experience your heart doesn't connect as easily so art is a way for consciousness to and to quickly be raised as we create together it's one of the fastest routes into consciousness that is so profound and you know i've been reading your book the singing tree and is that how this all began? Was this shared project together? Yes. Because when you share something, if it's fixing a truck or if it's walking together 
and crossing a stream, whatever it is, when you share, you become more human and you become one. So talk about the singing tree. How did that evolve? And that's the name of her book, by the way. In 1999, I made a mural with a school in Loudoun County, Virginia. Um, we all, every kid got to participate in the project. And when it was all over, eight-year-old Meredith Miller said, I wish the whole world could see our painting and then the whole world would be happy. And then he said, what if the whole world made a painting together? And that vision of all humans creating together just lit me up and met a longing that I have. And someone gave me the book, The Singing Tree by Kate Sarity right after Meredith's vision shook my world. And in The Singing Tree, Kate Sarity's father, who was Hungarian, was in World War I. And one night he spent all night with his battalion crawling on his belly to escape the Russian soldiers. And everything had been destroyed by war. And as they crawled in the mud and there was no sign of life, the soldiers got more and more terrified. When the dawn came, one tree had survived and hundreds of birds who aren't normally together gathered in that tree and sang a song that had never been heard before. And our earth is like the singing tree of the galaxy with no life around it for billions of miles. And we can destroy it and each other or we can create beauty that's never been seen before. So I began to make a structure of a tree on the earth in space where every individual community can choose what kind of tree, how to present the earth, how to present the space, and envision uh, solutions to their challenges. And singing trees have been made about autism and homelessness and drug addiction and violence. Um, and we always flip it to what is the world we want to move into. And there's a, an amazing um, Penobscot lawyer, thinker, teacher named Sherry Mitchell. And she says that we need to move away from the energy of the present that is <clears throat> distressing us and put our energy into the world we, are, we want to live in. And that's what the singing tree does. Many people don't think peace is possible. Many people are overwhelmed and helpless and, um, and terrified by the forces of the military solutions to problems. And we need to make peace big, loud, and beautiful. I agree. We need to make peace big, loud, and beautiful. And I think we need to also remember as you said in the singing trees, and that's how you call it, the singing trees, a growing forest, that we have to create these forests of the world that we want, wherever yeah. we are. And Robert and I would be speaking in Sardonia or someplace around the world. We spent 17 years making speeches for peace. And one time we were in Sardonia, Sardinia in Italy, and all of a sudden, um, at, when we were on stage, this, this man stands, oh, Dr. Mueller, you're such an important person. What can I do? Here I am on the island of Sardinia. And Robert said, what were you doing this morning at five o'clock? He said, oh, I was sleeping. And Robert said, not me. I was out on the beach cleaning the beach. 
And I remember standing there with Robert cleaning the beach thinking, oh, for heaven's sakes, Robert, you're in your best clothes. I'm in my best dress and we're cleaning the beach. He did it on purpose because wherever he was, he knew he could do something that would create peace for the people around the people, around the island. And so all of a sudden, everybody started looking at things differently. What can I do now in this moment to create the peace and harmony that our world needs? And then I'm going to add another PS. Robert and I would always say when somebody would say, oh, the world is so terrible. What are we going to do? Robert would say, what are you thinking about right now? And they would say, oh, I'm thinking about the war that's eminent. Why are you thinking about a war that's eminent when you could be thinking about peace? That might be the possibility because our mind is so powerful. Our thoughts create wave energies. And he would go on about wave energies of peace from our mind. And I would stand there and I would say, listen, look at me. How do you think Robert attracted me? He's 20 years older. He was peace and peace attracts the beauty around you. And that's why you have, to, oh, anyway, long story short, I'm gonna go back to something I just read in Robert's book. Robert wrote the book, What War Taught Me About Peace. And he said about teachers, because this is his chapter on good teachers. This teacher put his right finger on the heart of each student. From then on, I began to see education as a secret weapon to understanding the entire world. And I became enthusiastic about school again, but it was the teacher that got me that way. And that's how I view you, Lori. You are the inspiration for those students to build these singing trees, to build the forest of music, to build the forest of futures that we all need. I'd love to tell you what I did this morning. Please. Because of Rudy Westervelt, I was introduced to Alden Jacobs, who was a Rotary Peace Scholar. And Alden and I made a presentation at the Rotary Peace Conference in January 2020 about community art. And this morning, after two years of working and planning, I met with eight artists from Cyprus, where Alden lives now. And we're beginning the Cypress Singing Tree of Peace. Four of them are from the north and four of them are from the south. So this morning it was a dream come true. Um, and I worked with Katya, Dr. Katya Peterson, who is incorporating the worldview exploration curriculum with the peace building curriculum of the singing tree. So that's what I did this morning. I'm just I'm high as a kite from doing that. And peace does make you high as a kite. You know, I've been watching your, your video where you talk about what happens when the serotonin begins to happen or when the cortisol starts. And yeah. you, your little video explains it. When you're in anger, when you're in upset, the cortisol takes over. And what did you say in your video 26 hours later, you still have the cortisol? Mm -hmm. And when you uh, are feel valued and appreciated and loved, we release oxytocin, which only stays an hour. And that's why we need 26 put-ups for every put-down. <laughs> and just think if our politicians did that. Put-ups for every put-down. Yes, ma'am. Just think if our politicians did that. Or our teachers. Yes, yes. Teach third grade. And everybody would say, why do you have such a miraculous class? They never get in trouble. They never do anything bad and I say 
I just love them to pieces. I just keep loving them and I keep admiring them and I keep telling them how great they are. Well, they were always in this joy field and we would go to an assembly and my class would be smiling and happy and loving each other. And the other people were throwing spitballs at each other and people would say, I want you to show me how you do that. And I would smile and say, I just love them to pieces. And that is what our parents should do as well as our teachers because it creates a harmony inside. Yes, yes. I'm talking to uh, one of the teachers that are teaching today in Cyprus, as she said, who is teaching today with her example, with the joy that she brings to each person she meets and with the singing trees. You know, I've been doing this ever since my late husband, Robert Mueller, passed in 2010 because I want you to be inspired by people like Laurie Marshall. Laurie Marshall, what website could we go to to find out more about you? It's unitythroughcreativity.org. Unitythroughcreativity.org. Well, nobody will forget that because it's so right on who you are. You are a unifying spirit, and I love you for that. I love all of you who are watching today. As you may know, we now have Peace, Pot, Peace Community Magazine. And if you go to the app, we have a new free app on Peace Podcast. And pick up the app and go to the magazines, the e-magazines. I have the three first versions of my magazine. And they feature people like Lori, who are here on the planet for a destiny that will bring us peace or work that will help you understand what your destiny is. You'll learn so much from each of these wonderful people. You know, when I was with Robert, I spent all my time trying to figure out what can I do for peace? And it just happened. Wherever you are, you do what is needed at that moment. And you bring peace to the gas station and you buy a homeless person breakfast. What happens? Everybody smiles. It's up to us to be the peace others need. Laurie, I'm going to ask you if you were to have a magic wand or just be who you are so everybody could meet you. What would be the one thing you tell us all to do to bring peace on the planet today? Love yourself, every cell of your body, that you are supposed to be here, that you have unique gifts that are needed, that all your sense of unworthiness, and I've never met a human that doesn't have a sense of unworthiness, that that you say hello to that and say goodbye to that because we are all worthy and deserving and gifted and needed and as i listen to you i think about the miracle that you are we are all miracles think about this life we were given and how much joy we can bring to another as well as to ourselves. with that i'm barbara gon mueller and i bless you I thank you, Lori, for being on today. Thank you so much for having me. And I thank each of you for paying attention to what Lori had to say. Peace is within us. And think about the art that could bring it out. Maybe it's time to look at some of the things that you have brought in your past and you want to bring them forward. Look at your life and make sure that it's what you want to do. And with that, I say go to peacepodcast.org. And if you're not inspired, pick out one of the 85 people I have interviewed there. Pick one of them. Any one of them will inspire you and bless you for being here today. Watch this podcast with a friend and have a conversation. Thank you for joining us. Mm -hmm.